Hello, in this week's UN Catch-Up, we're checking in with the World Health Organization for the latest key COVID-19 developments, including an equitable vaccine distribution milestone. Also, we'll hear from the UN Refugee Agency and an alert about increasingly vulnerable Afghan refugees who need life-saving medical care. And before our 15-minute studio time is up, we'll be finding out how the latest gadget and robot tech can help more of us every day, thanks to the World Intellectual Property Organization. And we'll have closing comments from regular guest Solange Bejotegui-Cortez. Thanks for listening. First, the news. More than 100 countries and economies have now received COVID-19 vaccines through the UN-partnered Equitable Coronavirus Busting Scheme, COVAX. The first delivery of life-saving jabs arrived in Ghana on the 24th of February. Announcing the news on Thursday, the UN World Health Organization, WHO, said that more than 38 million doses of AstraZeneca, Pfizer-BioNTech and Serum Institute of India have been transported globally so far. The aim is to deliver at least 2 billion doses of vaccines in 2021, in particular to developing countries. The development comes as WHO and other health regulators reaffirmed the overwhelming value of the AstraZeneca, or AZ, COVID-19 vaccine, amid ongoing concerns about clotting events among a very small number who've had the jab. In statements on Wednesday evening, the WHO's Global Advisory Committee on Vaccine Safety, the European Medicines Agency and the UK's regulator all concluded that the benefits of taking the AZ vaccine outweigh the very rare potential risks. More than 190 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine have been administered to date, but only 182 cases of clotting have been reported, WHO said, as it advised countries to continue to vaccinate with the AZ vaccine, noting that it had saved millions of lives and prevented serious illness. To the issue of COVID-19 vaccination passports now, which the UN Health Agency has yet to support, after saying that inoculation against coronavirus may not prevent transmission. In response to journalists' questions on Tuesday, the World Health Organization said that the passports may not be an effective strategy for restarting global travel. His spokesperson, Dr Margaret Harris. We would not like to see vaccination as a, or of the vaccination passport as a requirement for entry or exit because we're not certain that at this stage that the vaccine prevents transmission and there are all those other questions, apart from the question of discrimination against people who are not able to have the vaccine for one reason or another. There have been more than 132 million confirmed cases of COVID-19, including more than 2.86 million deaths globally. Only around 650 million vaccine doses have been administered so far. To Iran, where the UN Refugee Agency, UNHCR, has appealed for funding to help hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals receive basic health care. Some 800,000 mainly Afghan nationals live in Iran. The country provides free COVID-19 treatment and hospital care, but premiums for surgery and other life-saving help are increasingly beyond the reach of many. UNHCR spokesperson Babar Balok told journalists in Geneva on Tuesday that this increases the likelihood that refugees will not seek treatment for urgent health needs or they might send their children to work, making them even more vulnerable. The impact of the pandemic on livelihoods has been particularly severe for refugees who usually rely on precarious and unstable jobs 
Many can no longer cover their most basic needs, let alone the costs of the health insurance, which is estimated to represent some 40% of an average refugee family's monthly expenditure. UNHCR already helps 100,000 refugees get healthcare in Iran, and it has just secured funding to ensure that another 20,000 can access the country's national health insurance scheme. But the agency noted that its 2021 funding appeal of $97 million is only 7% funded. The news there, and this is UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. Now, before this week's interview, imagine you had a relative with dementia who you worried wasn't eating enough. You're too far away to check in on them every day, so what do you do? Well, one solution is to install a smart fridge in their home. That's to say, one that tells you when it was used and who took what. I'll tell you what I could have done with one of those at college, come to think of it. Joking aside, to find out more about these assistive technologies and how they're already helping people with failing sight, hearing or balance, I spoke to technology innovation expert Irene Kitsara from the UN World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO. So assistive technologies covers a very wide range of products, which may be from assistive clothing, which will help them dress and undress to go to their work or go to their school, up to products which will help them communicate with others or participate in every aspect of life, do sports, just to name a few. So the advantage of assistive technology is to help them, to support them despite these functional limitations, to do what everyone else considers their daily routine. And you look at all of the patents that come in every year and you've seen that there's been this double digit growth in the sector. So you know that change is coming. But is it coming soon? So we have a lot of technologies which thankfully will become more available soon thanks to general interest of consumer electronic goods. So some of these technologies have crossover or spillover effect on consumer electronic goods. So uh, because of this more increased interest, we expect that kind of technologies and that kind of products to become more readily available. We're talking about products that refer to gaming industry. So the gamers, uh, a great motivation for brain-computer interfaces that we help us control our mobile phones or our computers, make it uh, sooner to the market. Similarly, we have all kinds of consumer electronic goods that are linked to our smart homes or smart cities. And so, for instance, visually impaired person can do their shopping in a mall and get a navigation, benefiting from advancements, sensors and general enabling technologies. Uh, So advancements in that, thanks to smart assistance and navigation ads, can have a particular benefit for persons who cannot see or they cannot move. And they can, thanks to this general interest, they can make it sooner to the market. And what's been the sort of breakthrough? Is it having a mobile phone, a smartphone? Absolutely. I think the broader availability of smartphones can assist availability of smartphone apps, which are very easy to access and more inexpensive. And in some cases, they replace some specialized assistive material that would be otherwise required or hardware. We have a lot of these speech input technologies that replace a lot of specialized and expensive materials. And also the advancements we have had recently in areas like artificial intelligence, we have better sensors, all these very recent advancements, which revolutionized a number of areas, can benefit the area of assistive technology and as a result, all of us. So we can find more applications and we can find increasingly software-based applications, which are also more inexpensive and as a result can reach out 
to more audience. So you're saying that things might become, these devices might become cheaper and more accessible. I mean, assuming that you have a mobile phone in the first place. Yes, this is the expectation also of other uh, UN agencies, including the World Health Organization. So they expect that we will have what they call a market shaping. That means that there will be more potential end customers who can benefit from this kind of applications. And as a result, this will drop the prices. And how many people are you expecting to be able to use them? I think it's what 1 billion people now benefit from assistive technologies. How many by, say, 2030? So the expectations of the World Health Organization is that this number will double. And these are people who need to access just the assistive technology, people with functional limitations. We should add to that all these potential users, everyone else who can benefit from that. So, for instance, people who would otherwise, let's say, not use a hearing aid because they are not yet there, but who could benefit from other products which could help them if they're not hearing that well. Let's just run through quickly some of the inventions. I mean, it's fascinating. You've got smart mirrors. You've got feeder robots. There was also another invention where it monitored the state of mind of those with depression to perhaps flag a warning sign when they may be feeling very blue. Yes, this has a particular importance for elderly people or people who suffer from cognitive decline because thanks to these devices which monitor if Say somebody has been not feeling very well and a smart mirror is just an application of that. A smart refrigerator can also track if people are eating or not, which may be also a sign of depression. A smart bathroom can also check if everyone is following their hygiene or they can track with face recognition whether how they are feeling. And Irene Kitsara from WIPO, which is the UN Patent Expert Office, Maybe you could tell me how smart your house is. I mean, do you have these smart devices at home? Do you feel that your life needs these assistive technologies? I think that they are more integrated than I would have thought before this report. So for sure, I have all these smart TVs that make me recommendations on what uh, what I may like to see. I have a vacuum cleaner, which is smart and will detect uh, when it is needed to do householding exercise. So I would say... Um, There are a lot of these devices that are already there of general uh, use that can benefit everyone. And I'm one of the beneficiaries, for sure. Many thanks to Irene Kitsara there from the UN World Intellectual Property Organization for explaining how assistive tech is likely to help 2 billion people by 2030. For more information, search online for WIPO's latest report on this. It's called Technology Trends. Now, before we wrap up the show, let's hear from our regular guest, Solange Berhategui-Cortez. Do you have any thoughts on these virtual aids, Solange? I have to say I'm a big fan because without my hearing aids, home and work life would be pretty rotten. But I look forward to the day, I have to say, when I can fiddle with them to tailor them to my needs without having to ask the technician to adjust them, which is a pretty long and tedious process. Over to you, Solange. Hola, Daniel. Last night... I accidentally dropped my mobile into the toilet. I felt immediately lost, alone. I need my mobile, but do I miss it also? For a long time, a phone is no longer just a phone. Personally, I am not a fan of having assistive technology at home, but even without wanting to have it, I know that it is already there. At the United Nations, we have this mantra, leave no one behind. To me, 
It means making sure that people with disabilities, older generations and those affected by chronic disease are included in society and enabled to live a healthy and dignified life. Before COVID-19, our world was already profoundly inequal. The past year with the current pandemic, these inequalities have become more visible than ever, including access to assistive technology. According to the World Health Organization, today only one in 10 people in need has access to assistive technology, owning to high costs and a lack of awareness, availability, trained person and financing. And let's not forget that we are far from equity in terms of basic services, access to electricity, water, roads, and of course, the internet. Don't forget that there are other primary needs that must be solved if assistive technologies are to fulfill their role. For the UN Health Agency, WHO, addressing the unmet need of assistive products is crucial to achieve the sustainable development goals, to provide universal health coverage, and to implement the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which has been ratified by 177 countries. The challenge is, as Irene Kitsara said, to democratize the access of these technologies and don't assume that we have already equality. The road ahead is still long and yet change is coming. And one of these days, maybe I will have a smart mirror at home, a magic mirror on the wall. A magic mirror on the wall. Be careful what you wish for. We all know what happened to Narcissus. Thank you, Solange, for that. I think we are pretty much done here. It's been fascinating to talk about how technology can help us, its pitfalls as well. And I think more importantly and more realistically, the fact that it is not available to really the many millions of people who need it. Only those with the sufficient means, like us perhaps, living in wealthy countries. So thank you again for that thought-provoking response, Solange. And thank you too to our production assistant, Justine Bryce, listening in the wings, and she'll be putting this podcast online very shortly. Thanks to you too, listeners. We really do appreciate your support, and we look forward to catching up with you again next week. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye for now. Mm-hmm.